0: Good morning, good evening, welcome one and all gather around for the story that is Windows Phone. This week, I'm Ewan Stence, your master storyteller, and this week's all about Windows Phone Insight Podcast. And joining me, I have Story Weaver extraordinaire, the man who puts the verb, the verb and 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 the verb into a simple sentence. It is Rafe Blanford. Welcome, Rafe.
1: Thank you, Ewan. You're coming back with style as usual after a very tranquil uh podcast last week week with steve where we looked at imaging we're back to you in style i think
0: well i thought you know you but you are it's true you're a story weaver we take these little tiny threads of things that happen online and we spin them and we change the fabric and people go you know i like that as a jacket but i like it even more as a two-piece waistcoat with a soft jaunty hat on the top
1: right well perhaps moving on to some actual content
0: oh well right and okay um have we burned out the 1020 yet? Or is there still stuff we can go on about?
1: I think there's still stuff we can go on about. I mean, we've uh, had an AT&T version of it, so we'll be talking more about it, I think, when we get a European or the global variant.
0: About we being you.
1: Well, we'll have to wait and see <laughs> on that one. Yeah, I hope so. Um, there is still no official news on that. We did have a, a story up on the site about some pricing for the 1020. This is because a couple of uh, retailers in the UK um, online retailers came out and listed prices. For example, uh, Expansis had it at £599, Clove Technology had it at 588 and Unlocked Mobile's had it at 549 Some of those prices have since been withdrawn, probably a sign that Nokia UK hasn't quite finalised the price and didn't want anyone talking about it. But we did a few sums with those, and as a result, you can sort of look at uh, uh, the launch price, I suspect for the uh, 1020 of around 580 pounds or so um, in terms of the base price in euros that's kind of before taxes and subsidies which knock it always quotes prices and that's 545 euros by way of comparison the lumia 95 came out at 469 euros but the lumia 920 was 505 euros so maybe only a, a 30 or so euro price difference there just significant because you know people have talked about the 1020 being a really expensive device and yes it's going to be more expensive and we have had the discussion in the us about the 299 dollar pricing but uh you're know, perhaps not quite as expensive as people were thinking especially when you throw in something like the the iphone 5 the 32 gigabyte variant which is probably the fairest one to compare the 1020 with because it's the same memory and that's actually going to be more expensive or something like the galaxy s4 which is uh, with that kind of base pricing it's 535 euro it's a very similar so we'll have to wait and see on that because we haven't had official confirmation on that and there's still that talk about first week of september and o2 are now listing it as coming soon and they're going to have a, a 64 gigabyte version but uh, uh,
0: again that's not we confirmed that 64 gig that's just our best guess isn't it?
1: it that's now up on the o2 website so they are it's starting to look a bit more official now uh, and Telefonica were announced as being one of the kind of the big partners for this device and Telefonica is kind of the holding company o2 in the uk and various other operators around Europe and in Latin America as well. But uh, 1020, is, yes, it's going to be the most expensive Lumia device, but it looks you and like it might not be sort of that much beyond the kind of high-end smartphone from other manufacturers.
0: And yeah, I think the thing to point out here is it starts as a 32-gigabyte model and there isn't a 16-gigabyte model. So comparing the the lower-spec Lumia 1020 is it well, with the lower-spec Galaxy S for the lower-spec iPhone um, actually means you're comparing a 32-gig model to a 16-gig model. Um, if you take it, some like the AT&T prices, for example, um, yes, they, they are subsidized. Uh, but the Lumia 1020, $299. The iPhone 5 with 32 gigabytes, $299. Um, and the Galaxy S4, I think, is $249 for the 32 gig. So when you start doing a light-for-light comparison, um, you find that the, the 1020 is being pitched in about the same place. I think there'll be a very slight price premium uh, and people will go, well, of course there is, because there's more in this, because there's a bulge on the back. Um, <laughs> hey, but the point is inside there is all the camera extra gummies and stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is it is more expensive as, as a Lumia device. And I think the other factor to consider here is the price uh, will drop down after a few months for Lumia device and pretty much everyone, apart from Apple as well, known for kind of having this launch premium. So, it, you know, watch this space. We'll bring you information when we have it on kind of the global Uh, availability for the 1020 but just a reminder for people to look at our our 1020 coverage that we've had out in the last week and we've had some review sections basically looking at uh, photo and video capture and steve's gone into a lot of detail there talking about some of the advantages just talking about video in particular because he covered the kind of still photos last time round. really on the video side it's about three things optical image stabilization that means you get kind of shaky or non-shaky video, I guess I should say. It's not quite as if it was sitting on a steady cam, but it does make a big difference. And of all the updates and innovations that Nokia have introduced recently, I think this is the one where when you do a side-by-side comparison makes the most obvious difference because, you know, there things like processing and everything else. Sometimes uh, still images can be rather subjective and you have to look at them in certain circumstances or you have to zoom in a bit. But video, you can really see this difference on OIS. Um, it really adds applies to the 920 and the 925 so in one sense not a lot here new for windows phone users but it does make a, a good comparison with other devices zoom is the other factor to consider here you, you get this in video mode as well and actually you get this further lossless video it goes into a uh, four times zoom or six times zoom if you're recording in 1020 So sorry 720 resolution all the Leading smartphones now do the so-called intelligent zoom where they take a portion out of the center of a pixel rather than uh, put sensor rather rather than interpolating uh, pixels. But the 1020, because it's got more pixels to work with, is able to do that to a greater extent. The last factor is hack, which is the audio microphones, the high amplitude uh, microphones, which allows you basically to record more accurate sound, and again that 's one that you have to really listen to to believe haven 't got something we can play back on the podcast here, but we have got a couple of examples on the site, and if you type it into google you 'll find plenty more so have also that- had
0: hack coming in from other handsets as well, I remember even with Nokia six twenty which which came with the hack microphones uh recording a live gig it really does make sure that none of the sound actually bumps up to the red on the needle is it where it really controls the sound coming in and really does replicate what you're hearing with your ears far better than in your, your regular bog standard microphone and again you'd think we could illustrate this in a podcast or <laughs> and you know it's not that kind of improvement um but once you've heard it you're like now i can hear why that's a really good idea
1: that that's exactly right. And these microphones have been exclusive to Nokia for a little while. That period is actually coming to an end now, so I would expect to start seeing these on other devices as well. And I'm sure they're gonna become standard just because they are so much better than the kind of the standard microphones but i think that uh that audio recording capability together with zoom actually makes 1020 pretty strong as a gig recording device and you and i know you've had a little bit of experience of this you know you can zoom in even if you're sitting in the back row and get that much closer and you you get the stability but you also get the audio which is the kind of the critical factor together with the low light performance so you took it out have you been impressed with the results
0: I th- again, it's, it's that adding up of lots of little things. The, the stabilisation in the video gives you a better video picture. Uh, the, the optics give you a clearer image, especially in a dark, moody nightclub. The sound gives you that, that much better sound. So all these things on their own are just like, well, that's nice. You look through a spreadsheet, it's just a simple bullet point, that's nice. But when you start putting them all together, you realise that they're not, you know, they, they're not additions on top of each other that improve the video. They're multipliers. On top of the video, that improves each other. So when you pick up an, another handset at random, and uh, at the moment I'm, I'm having a look at the Samsung Galaxy Mega, a 6.3 and Android 4.2 device with an 8 megapixel camera. Which Samsung of done relatively well. The camera, it's the same sort of unit that's across most of their mid range. It's good in regular light. Once you start moving into low light, it does what people would expect a camera phone to do. Even when you're in good light, even when you know you're in good sound qualities. Those two handsets, the 1020 versus the, the Galaxy S4 platform, as it were, it's night and day. You can clearly see which is better, but you can clearly see which one that you would put up on YouTube and which one you think, you know, this is good enough to record and edit into a television show or or a movie. Um, I'm pretty sure that we're going to have somebody go, we've recorded our entire latest movie on the Nokia 1020 Lumia. Um, Of course, they'll have used Apple hardware to do all the editing and and, (laughs) and everything and sound effects and fading and stuff. But the point is, when you start with a really good core product of the video and audio capture, you can do really smart things with it. You can't save in the edit. You can improve in an edit. So by raising the baseline, even for an idiot like me, Nokia improves every single product that flows from that. I think that's important. It's it's an ecosystem thing. The 1020 optics will slowly bubble down onto the rest of it. The software will bubble down as well. And the quality of video that you generally expect Nokia to go out with will be improved. That's why when people go, Nokia make good cameras, it's not one camera phone that seals that in the public conscience. It's this general floating up of the quality across the entire range, from 7650s, 3650s and upwards. Nokia are known for good camera phones the 1020 does that as well and that i think we've talked hero halo before uh, that's another point where the halo effect the 1020 comes in but it will also pass its powers down from father to son from brother to uncle from sister to go all the way down the range over the next 12 to 18 months
1: yeah i think that's right and that the lumia 720 is a great example of a very good mid-range device with a what i think is an outstanding camera for its price But the point you were making there about it being this, you know, more than the kind of just the individual spec points is really important here. I think it's actually about the experience and what you get out of it, the memories that you then create. And in one sense, when we talk about the technical details, that doesn't matter. What really matters is what comes out the other end. Um, and kind of one final point to talk about there is on the audio one of the new things you'll you get on the 1020 which i think will be passed down to other devices in due course is the ability to kind of set the filter bands for audio and you can set it to low or high or switch it off altogether and low or high will be good in different circumstances but interesting the ability to switch it off altogether means you'll get that kind of raw audio you can then edit yourself later now most of the time you you'll want the phone to do it for you so you probably leave it on the default setting but if you switch it off altogether you could then take it into an audio editor and you know remove that put a filter on it yourself which is what the phone's doing for you uh, but you can do it exactly to your setting and so i think that's a, a nice little extra which hasn't been talked about uh quite so much
0: it's the same idea. as you know people who do the camera images they they like that they've got that thirty eight megapixel there available if they want it. It's why a lot of people go well, can we get a raw output of that image so they can actually do the post processing themselves? Audio always feels almost like a generation or two behind uh, in terms of cameras. Not as sexy as as the pictures that are coming out, but you know, for me, podcaster, audio is a pretty important part of the equation. And the, one of the things that. It's just to do to, to the story is that I'm, I'm around the Ember Festival at the moment doing interviews out and about, and I've got my, my little Sony media recorder and everything. The 1020 is actually my backup recorder. Um, there and, we go. And, and what I'm doing is I'm just recording it as a video. I'm just dropping it on the table, putting it in the middle, and pressing the record. So if something does happen to the main recorder, then I know that the hack microphones are going to give me something that is as close to the quality as I can get out of my professional Sony kit, which means that I can save the interview.
1: Yeah, there we go. So one of the things I think we should mention in the podcast, we've talked about GDR2 quite a bit in previous weeks. It still hasn't arrived for most people, but kind of our weekly update, and that's to say that it is now available on more Samsung devices, but it hasn't really arrived for any number of Nokia devices yet. So when do we think that will happen? Well, it still looks like it's going to be imminent. It has arrived on various servers And there are ways of uh, installing it on your device, but we don't recommend doing it simply because you end up resetting things, voiding the warranty and all sorts of things. Uh, But I would maybe look at the sort of third week of the month, because that's actually when we've had updates in the past uh, come out. So I think that's a a possibility. Keep an eye on the site. We will let you know as soon as it uh, becomes available. And there's uh, quite a lot to talk about. In fact, um, maybe we should talk about one of the things that got added uh, this week
0: uh you're talking about calling ms sms blocking
1: yeah and i think i'm gonna to have to handle this one simply because i wrote the story on it indeed it, yeah it, and i
0: tried to call you but for some reason you never picked up
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh there we go now this was actually delivered it's one of these settings apps modules that's been delivered by the extras plus info app which doesn't really appear to do anything but nokia has used in the past for delivering these kind of extra apps into the settings application and what this one does is adds functionality that lets you block sms and uh, text messages it really is uh, quite simple in its operation you can go in and turn it on and then there's some advanced features that let you block uh, calls that have no caller id associated with them there's a live tile so you can see how many calls have uh, been blocked and you can also be notified about calls but to actually block a number or block someone you just go into your Uh, into the calling app or the history list, and you can see the numbers that you've had call you. You do a long press and then choose block number, and you can do the same thing in messaging. So it's a a pretty simple piece of functionality, but I think one that will be welcomed by a lot of people, particularly if you get lots of spam calls or spam text messages. Uh, It's easy to use, but it's a good example of the way that Nokia has been adding functionality to the Windows phone platform. Uh, I'm sure it's only going to cause more comments about Uh, nokia doing microsoft's job for them but in one sense it's uh, to the benefit of the platform that it's got enough flexibility here that nokia is able to do this Uh, the caveat we should add to all of this is that it requires gdr2 there's actually some under the hood apis that have been added presumably only accessible to the manufacturers that allow them to kind of implement this functionality so although the uh, app update is actually available for all of Nokia's Windows Phone 8 devices, this feature will only be available if your phone's running on GDR2. So that qualifies the Lumia 925 and the 1020 immediately. Select other devices that are starting to ship with GDR2 because all the existing devices will get uh, GDR2 kind of out of the factory very shortly. And of course, all devices, once it becomes available as an over-the-air update. Uh, I suspect it's going to depend what market you're in, depending on how useful you find this. Uh, in the UK, we're not too bad for the number of spam calls and spam text messages, but there are some markets where it's a more serious problem, and you've been probably hoping and waiting for this feature for quite some time. But uh, yes, one more reason to welcome GDR2 once it does arrive on everybody else's phone.
0: And also the fact that Nokia must have read their contract very carefully with Microsoft. As You will deliver an update to the operating system when Microsoft says it's okay. Okay, go. I think you can see we can't just graft a little bit through the settings. Can we just? Yeah, yeah, we'll sign that. We can, we can put stuff out like this, can't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're okay. That's yeah, it's cool, cool.
1: There yeah. we go. And this was the same way that uh, they actually delivered the uh storage uh update, which lets you, you know, shrink other storage down. Um, and I suspect we may see more updates delivered this way in the future as well. And honestly, it's a, a sensible way to do it. It's,
0: it's a good. It's like having an update pack in Windows. You, you wonder why Microsoft hadn't thought of that sort of idea before. Anyway, uh, right then, shall we? Shall we keep trucking on?
1: We shall. Yes.
0: How about? Thirty thousand new applications.
1: Ah, that's right, Ewan. I'm assuming here you're referring to the Windows Phone App Studio, or the build build a Windows Phone app in the browser. It's not quite thirty thousand new apps in the Windows Phone Store, but there's been a lot of people looking at this, haven't there?
0: Indeed, yeah. I'm sure it's thirty thousand people have been using the service, and uh, you know. You have all these people out there who do C plus plus, you do all the complicated stuff, and and then all the complicated. Oh, you're not doing a real coder unless you're using ones and zeros with the occasional texting. But I love for a lot of people, a good information tool on their phone is all they need. And this sort of stuff, you've had. I know you've had a, a good look through how it works, right? This stuff makes it relatively easy to pull in data sources, lay them out on a on a panorama screen with the UI elements of Windows One and have something that.
1: It's, what, 85% professional looking with very little work? I think that's right. I mean, in some cases, I'd even put that percentage figure up a little bit. I think when people hear these kind of browser-based tools for creating apps, they immediately think of the kind of RSS app wizards. And while this Windows Phone Studio does have that in it, uh, it actually allows a bit more complexity as well. There's kind of a database component referred to as collections, and you can also put in HTML5-based content. So particularly, as you say, for information-based apps, it's Possible to come up with something quite polished-looking, relatively easily, and there's support for live tiles, quite a bit of customization in terms of changing the colors and the themes, putting in your own graphics, and of course, it's never going to be, you know, a full, powerful, feature-rich application. But there are, you know, quite a few businesses that might benefit from, you know, quickly creating an app or give people just the the flavor of how it works and getting into the design templates and that kind of thing. Um, Microsoft actually held this up as a, a way for non-developers or, you know, first-time developers to get something quick and functional working, but also said more experienced developers might like to do some rapid prototyping and actually I can see how that might work. I mean you wouldn't necessarily have the fully working app but you can kind of do the layout and design and saying, you know, this is how a a Windows phone app might look. And there's various templates, some of which make more sense than others, but there's one for doing a company, one for doing kind of a store, one for doing family photo albums. But I think anything that makes development a a little bit easier is to be encouraged. Now one of the things I particularly liked about this tool, which as you said has thirty thousand people using it. So many people that they've actually had to restrict it to kind of uh, invitations only and have a beta process. But I mean, I'm sure that will get sorted out in due course. And one of the things I really like is that you can export the app to Visual Studio and then carry on um, customizing it. It's not sort of locked into this Windows Phone Studio tool. You can actually take it quite a bit further or you can just, you know, uh, change the kind of look and feel of it using something like uh, Blend or some of the expression tools. So Actually, I think this holds quite a bit of potential. In time, it is going to be possible to kind of export the results and publish them in the Windows Phone Store. Um, I think that's obviously a good thing. It's quite smart in a way that it wasn't available at this, you know, in this first instance, because it does avoid the problem of lots of people having a quick go and then, oh, I'm just going to publish it into the Windows Phone Store anyway. The other caveat with all of this is actually you still will need to license, um, license, I should say, register for Windows Phone Dev Center and pay the usual $99 annual fee to be able to publish apps. Admittedly, that is available for less at the moment. There's a special offer that has reduced the cost of that down. Uh, But a very interesting tool. But there's also um, a couple of things associated with this news announcement that caught our attention as well, aren't they, Ewan?
0: Indeed, there were. But I just want to swing back. I love the idea um, of these rapid tools. And the thing that gets me is when people are snooty about it, as we, we both kind of alluded to there, the people who are going to be using this, are are there's going to be a lot of people here who wouldn't program on Windows Phone at all because it's just too complicated. They don't know where to start. And there's just big, huge, massive books and stuff, and you just don't know where to start. If you just go, here's a web window, just do some drag and drops. Those are people who are coming to the platform and will probably stay at the platform because... It's really easy to, to, to do a family photo album. And I think that's important. Getting people being creative on a phone and having a two-way interaction with their handset rather than just accepting what's given to them. It's a really powerful tool. So, okay, yeah, be snotty about this. Yes, you can use it as rapid application and export the, um, the code from, from the web browser into Visual Studio. But don't forget that people who release stuff from this might never release stuff. And maybe one out of 100 of them will pick up the big book and go, how do I play my own MP3 file on this? And that's when we get new coders. That's when you start building up items in the Windows Store. And that's when you start really getting good volumes of apps coming through the Windows Store.
1: Yeah, that's right. And I alluded to a a related announcement. This is actually the fact that Microsoft are kind of loosening the requirements for getting a a phone developer unlocked. And it's because it's associated with this tool. They want people to kind of sideload an app that they've created using this tool onto their own device and then be able to test it. Previously, you had to have a, a Dev Center membership in order to do that. But now this is actually going to be available for anyone there. You have to use the standard uh, tools to do the unlocking process, but it's now going to be available free. You'll be able to unlock one device and sideload up to two apps on it. On for for people who have registered to them, Devcent it remains uh, three devices you can get unlocked and ten apps that you can sideload. But potentially, at least this means there's a capability for those who haven't registered to the center to do some on-device testing that should help improve the quality and the ease of development but just an interesting one also for homebrew apps potentially as well that's kind of apps that might not otherwise make it into a windows phone store either because you know developers got no interest in putting them through that uh testing and quality assurance process or because you know for, for some reason they'd fail the guidelines we've got some more details on that on the website so go and check the other piece of news that came out of this Windows Phone Studio uh, was the news that we got to 2 billion downloads on the Windows Phone Store. Going oh, to do this can I, can I, really quick? Can... Oh, go on, Ewan. 2 billion
0: downloads. Ah, ah, ah,
1: ah, ah, ah. Yes, yeah, all very exciting. Another milestone for the Windows Phone Store. Interesting because this second billion happened a lot faster than the first billion. It's six months versus just over two years, just demonstrating the acceleration of Windows Phone and the growth this year in particular, from low-cost devices. If you put it into the context comparing it with some of the other app stores, well, things are maybe less impressive. Windows Phone's taken longer to get there. On the other hand, it's that second billion has happened about the same amount of time as everyone else, which maybe leaves Windows Phone in a relatively good position. Some back-of-the-envelope calculations suggest that actually uh, more people download uh, more apps onto Windows Phone than On Android, the actual kind of apps per phone figure is slightly lower on Android, where it's slightly further for iPhone, higher for iPhone. Probably not unexpected there, uh, but you do have to also put it into the context that while uh, Windows Phone has reached uh, 250 million downloads a month, Google is sitting pretty at 2.5 billion, and as is the apple app store so that windows phone kind of a factor of 10 behind that's actually about what you'd expect given the installed base and the various market share numbers but it's going to be uh, critical to see what happens next for windows phone it's kind of this thing we've talked about before the growth period past five percent in terms of market share and then obviously on to tens of billions of downloads but just uh, an interesting one to note that the that two billion milestone has now officially been passed
0: I think what's also worth pointing out here is that um, some of that acceleration must be down to the ease of use of Windows Phone 8, right? Obviously, we have things like Unity um, who are striving for having their developer conference at the end of the month in Vancouver. We should hopefully have some reporting from, from there for all the gamers and all the game developers and how they're doing from Windows Phone. But also, we're getting... Uh, marquee titles that are coming in now um, you know, six to seven months after they've seen, you know, Windows Phone 8 comes out all the tools come out and then you start getting stuff coming out. It's things like ESPN's Fantasy Football, MLB's at-bat stuff and on their own, these these titles don't mean much, but to certain people, these are must-have applications. And as well as the, the numbers of downloads coming up, the, the, the apps that are coming into the store are apps that, that people are using significantly on other platforms that we're actually getting more respectability. And I think that that should also be noted down, that developers looking at Windows Phone are seeing these names come in and, and legitimizing the platform. It's one of the issues that BlackBerry 10 is having. Um, they're, they're getting apps in, they, they can cycle on Android, but they're not getting those marquee names in that in an app economy people expect to have on their phone.
1: That's right. I mean, it's this question that keeps coming up and up again. And we probably talk about it far too much of the app gap, but it does seem to be coming down. And it's interesting hearing Nokia talking about, you know, they expect the app gap for the most part, to disappear uh, you know, by the first quarter next year. And what they actually mean by that is all the big-name apps will be available. There's still going to be a gap in the number of available apps. That's kind I can of the, think of at
0: least one where there will still be a gap, can't you? E-
1: exactly. <laughs> uh, and, you know, there's always going to be a, a kind of fewer apps on Windows. So while it remains in the kind of third position, it will probably be the third choice for a lot of developers. But it will get to the point where that you know date between availabilities will come down and it will start mattering a lot less. I think the perception might hang around for a little bit longer, uh, but certainly it's far less acute than it was a year ago, and I expect that to be true, even more true, a year from now. Uh, so all, all interesting. That uh, Talking of stats, just uh, a, a bit of a shout-out. IDC have released their latest numbers for smartphones. I thought we'd just touch on these very briefly to say that um, 236.4 million smartphones shipped in Q2 Um of this year that's an awful lot of phones of those 8.7 million were windows Phone. so again you know kind of a long way to go it actually gives windows phone market share of 3.7 percent a bit down from uh, some of the other companies who released these numbers we've got the usual uh, tables and charts on the story on the site so you can go and have a look at those but actually windows phone is making proce- progress it's uh up from 3.1 percent market share last year and actually it's year on year kind of growth is uh Uh, As good as Android, if you're looking at kind of relative performance, Android, of course, has sold many more devices because its uh, starting point was obviously that much further up the sales curve. Do you um, think,
0: Rafe, that with market shares, it, it was great when everybody was kind of equal, but now we're so unbalanced with Android up at about 80% or something, and, and you, you have everybody, in you know, Apple in about 15 or so or whatever, and the Windows and the Blackberries and the Unixes and the Linuxes and the hard Pies and the Raspberry Pis, all down about between the 1% and 3% mark. The market share is becoming just, uh, there's not much point using it anymore. It's really down to unit sales and unit shipments that we should be keying in. as a much more important number
1: yes i mean that's true but i think it's of any statistics you have to look at the context and understand that not just look at the numbers i mean android's actually a really good example of this because as you say it's actually got to i think it's 79.3 percent market share but that kind of does hide a certain amount of you know fragmentation within android certainly it's got more fragmentation than within the windows phone and the iphone world you know you talk about android being a singular entity and to an extent it it is but there is a difference between what you might refer to as google android and then the android open source project android which is used by the likes of amazon for their kindle devices but particularly over in china there's a lot of uh, chinese android devices that have nothing to do with google don't ever register with google so they don't count towards google activations don't have the standard google app store or services Um, and while for some developers particularly if they can then take the initiative to get their apps listed in those other app stores, there may not be all that much difference. There is that divergence that's going to go on and presumably increase over time. You know, it's a interesting question to look at. Whereas by contrast, both um iPhone and Windows Phone look a lot more monolithic. Uh, it's not just in the way they define you know the look and feel. You know, Microsoft and Apple obviously control quite tightly the the user experience, but it also applies to a certain extent to uh Uh, the developer environment as well, although I I would add that there are, you know, obviously version differences in Windows Phone between 7.8 and 8, and you get the same thing on iOS. Uh, And so, you know, one of the things that came out of this numbers, for example, is that uh, Apple iOS had falling market share. You know, it was at 16.6%. It's now down to 3.2%. Now that's, you know, partly a result of the cyclical nature of the iPhone product, but actually it's mainly because there's lower cost Uh, smartphones coming in and apple just doesn't have yet uh, a representative in that that segment but to say that apple's doing badly you know which you could read from these numbers, is a bit less needing. It's not the full picture. Um, incidentally, we think that'll probably change. Everyone's heard about the iPhone 5C or the cheap iPhone device to come.
0: Why would you, just as an aside, Dave, why would you give it the initial C when you know everybody's going to call it cheap? That just doesn't sound like Apple. You can call <laughs> yeah. it the 5 Gold or the 5 Spando Ballet. I mean, even then it sounds a bit rubbish. You should call it the 5 Duran Duran, but
1: the 5 cheap. Well, yes, we'll have to wait and see on that one because nothing, nothing's been confirmed there. But by the same token, you can look at Windows Phone and clearly clear that the unit sales are increasing, it's going in the right direction. And I think that's reflected in some of the way analysts are starting to talk about it. I mean, IDC, for example, said that, you know, Nokia is the driving force behind the platform, but we think others may be interested because it'll act as a differentiator from android and it's clear windows zone has established itself as the number three operating system ahead of blackberry so we've done these numbers for this quarter probably we mentioned strategy analytics last time round, but you can look at them all on the site and draw your own conclusions
0: indeed yes lots going on uh right then let's bounce through a couple of applications not strictly app of the week but um there's a little suite of applications that i think are actually worth highlighting out here ported over from Windows 8, so in theory that shouldn't be that difficult, given the common code bases. Um, but the Bing apps uh, that have come over—Bing News, Bing Weather, Bing Finance, and Bing Sports—bring uh, four, shall we say, well-populated areas another contender in terms of these headlines from various sources: your weather, um, finance, stock markets, currency exchanges, and of course, the yeah, sports, or in this case. Football, baseball, American football, F one, and maybe a little bit of cricket if you're lucky and you're Australian. Um, These are actually, I was expect, I was expecting to see these much sooner than they did. Some more core applications for Microsoft, but I think these are quite nice to see. Rafe, Um, they're relatively well implemented. There, there are some strange omissions, such as it doesn't pick up the theme color, uh, and Microsoft, all people I thought should have got that right, but. These are these are good applications, and I can see the second tier handset manufacturers, the ZTEs and the Alcatels, going. Well, yeah, we'll put these for them because it it's just it's another line the bullet points. It gives more functionality to the end user. I can see uh, Nokia, who've got, for example, the deal with the weather channel. they going, no, we'll, we'll keep with the weather channel. And Samsung have their Today View with the news headlines it pulls in, so they would keep that running as well. But this this is a nice set of applications. It doesn't set the world alight, like, but you know. It's nice kindling.
1: It is. And it's interesting. If you look at some of the other smartphone platforms, they've got apps like this installed by default and Microsoft is doing the same on Windows eight with these apps, you know, they're actually available kind of out of the box on Windows eight or pre installed. It'd be interesting to see whether the same thing happens for, for Windows Phone. And um, you know, as you've suggested, perhaps not the strongest, most feature rich apps, but they are very well polished and so you know they, they look good and I think what's particularly attractive about them in The news and the finance is that they actually come from multiple sources, and so the the content is drawn often from RSS feeds, but also I suspect there's some back end API deals going on, and then it's tidied up a bit, and so there's kind of collation of stories, so you don't see stories repeating in your main feed, for example, uh, in the news app or the finance app, and they're then kind of region specific, and so you can. When you first start the app, it'll look at your region settings and go, ah, oh, you're in the UK, I'll deliver you a set of UK news. You can then customise the news that you see in the news app and also to an extent in weather and finance as well and sports that you've alluded to there. There is a bit too much of a US focus. It's quite clear that the developers are based in the US and that market is best served in terms of content. I'd like a little bit more outreach going on to other markets. You know, What can we include to improve the app for these markets? But nonetheless, it's a lot more international feel than a lot of these kind of generic news, sports, weather, finance apps. And so from that point of view, it gets the, the thumbs up. And, you know, it's interesting. It's the kind of the Bing brand that Microsoft is is bringing in here. I, I wonder whether we might see more of that in the future. I certainly don't think it will be a bad thing. Um, I'm I'm not sure I'm going to use these apps on a daily basis. I've got my weather app of choice already, which is Weatherflow. I've got a couple of news apps installed, including things from The Guardian and then sort of BBC News ones and then bookmarks in the browser as well. Uh, But for people new on the platform or, or, you know, getting the the device out of the box, I can actually see a certain amount of value to it, including this kind of app. And, you know, it it also, I guess, sparks that debate about, you know, should these apps be pre-installed because, you know, what app is a central part of know, especially when users are now familiar with downloading and installing apps of their own and what effect does it have on developers if you kind of compete with them. Um, so let us know what you think about this one. There's already some interesting comments around, uh, but you can download these all from the Windows Phone Store and, of course, they're all free as Microsoft apps and they're pretty much available worldwide now.
0: And of course, one thing to point out in the whole should they be pre-installed by, is that unlike other handsets and operating systems, if you don't like a pre-installed applications, you can delete them. Um That's the fun thing about when you when you look at something like the AT&T and the Verizon handsets. Um Yeah, they have their you know Verizon mapping software, the AT&T music and radio services. You can delete them on Windows Phone. It's yeah. fantastic. You can't do that on Android. You, and I don't think Apple lets them close to the stack, so the third parties anyway. But the fact is, it's your phone. If you want to delete them, you can. So uh, I suppose the argument for pre-installing them is slightly better on Windows One because you can reclaim that space. And when you're looking at the eight gigabyte storage handsets like the five twenty and six twenties, that's probably a good consideration to make as well. I'm with you, Rafe. I'm probably not going to use them day to day. They're just slightly rough at the edges, but I'm not going to delete them
1: there we go yeah no i think that's probably the same for me. i've now got them all installed on my headset. and I, I noticed myself using them once or twice in the uh last week or so so yeah we will have to have to wait and see on that one indeed
0: but it's nice to see them it's good to see stuff going forward uh more of that sort of stuff please yeah
1: yeah, yeah. I, I can agree right to that
0: okay um do you want to do an app of the week or shall we just um hightail and get ourselves out of dodge
1: well, I think I can do an app of the week, and this is actually an app to get other apps, and it's Nokia Apps Social. This is actually replacing Nokia Apps Highlights in Windows Phone 8 on a, in a lot of markets. Uh, that was kind of Nokia's way of suggesting or promoting apps. It's been available from the days of the Lumia 800 and it's pre-installed on most Lumia devices. It takes much the same approach. You've basically got lists of apps that have been recommended. The difference is with App Social is it's got community and kind of Social elements to it. Essentially, you can create your own app list, and potentially they get highlighted and then shown off in the app. Uh, and obviously, you've got all the things that go along with that, being able to thank lists, um, so they get promoted up the community leaderboards. Nokia do retain a certain amount of control, being able to kind of highlight certain lists. Uh, but all of this is, you know, creating curated lists of apps. And one of the things is, you get an app store with more and more apps in it. Finding apps that are good or that you like becomes more difficult. And this is. In a way, an alternative app discovery mechanism, and so you can, you know, sign in and say, "Oh, what's Nokia UK recommending to me?" Ah, what's this third person who happens to like the same sort of apps that I like recommending? And App has got various features in it. So say, there's kind of the Nokia recommended stuff, and then the spotlight section, which is much like App's Highlight was. But uh, the most intriguing part of this, is I think, is using this kind of wisdom of the crowds element or crowdsourcing lists of apps and Nokia are actually selecting certain app lists to be promoted right on the you know front page on the top panorama of the app and there are these also this kind of leaderboard where you can see the top recommended ones. At the moment it's all rather ironically Nokia people rather than kind of use that in the community. I think that reflects the fact it's quite early days and Nokia been testing it internally. But I've actually been trying this out a bit as a way of kind of discovering new and interesting apps. And I actually think it works fairly well. And because with all of these lists you can actually choose to follow someone as you would on a social network, it will then generate a kind of a feed of new apps that have been added to lists since you kind of last looked at the application. And it can be that particular feature I think is quite a promising way of finding out about new and interesting apps. Um there's all sorts of other bits and pieces in there, but if you haven't already tried it, I can recommend it, download it. It's available free as of course a Nokia app. Um and I think it's got quite an intriguing possibility.
0: We will have a link back to that on the website, allaboutwindowsphone.com under the media podcast section. So, or, of course, if you're using our application, which you can kind of use to help discover the apps when we write about them, uh, you will have a link. Uh, direct into the store uh, in our application in the links button just there on the bottom charm bar. Uh, the app I'm going to choose right Insta Weather Pro, the one that we both started to write up at the same time and you got to the publish button first. Uh, but anyway, it's an application which you probably have seen with your friends on Facebook. Um, you take a picture, um, you phone then takes into your location because i know what the weather's like just now what it's going to be uh, and you can share it with your friends generally these are my friends in south africa uh, going look how sunny it is look how hot it is ha 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 and i go well look i can take a picture of where i am just now and it's a dark cloud and it's going to be raining soon and i can share it on facebook and stuff um it's a title that is very popular again on the other platforms going back to the app gap and apps coming in from the other handsets on iOS and Android. It's now sitting here on Windows Phone 8 as well. What I, And the other thing I really like about it is all the interfaces on one screen. You take camera picture, take a button, you choose one from your apps, you slide it left and right to choose the layout of the weather, and then you press the share button. Um, one one tweet the share button saves the picture off so then you can use the internal windows on sharing system i'd like to see that improved in the next version but for now InstaWeather pro having fun with the layouts and uh, having fun telling everybody look it's not raining in edinburgh honestly really mean it
1: okay so you and you mentioned earlier that you're at the edinburgh festival i believe you're doing some podcasting here so would you like to give us a, a plug for what you've been up to and where we can find out some more
0: I would, yes, and I'm going to avoid the pun of giving you a plug with a 13 amp use. Um The Edinburgh Festival Fringe, of course, there's about 20 festivals going on in Edinburgh at the moment for the Book Festival, the Jazz Festival, uh, the International Festival and so on. Um, the Fringe itself had 2,800 shows. 40,000 curtain calls, about 20,000 performers to send on the city for three and a half weeks to put on countless shows, over 250 stages in the city. And uh, I go out, I interview people that are doing shows. We uh, listen to some of the music that's being played. It's a regular uh, one-hour podcast a day, which you can listen to at Or if you're in if you tune into Castle FM 98.8. Some idiot has given me power over an FM transmitter once a day for all of August. Uh, so you can listen to the show being recorded live and talk on twitter and facebook and get involved
1: as well excellent thank you and while we're doing some plugs i just want to remind people that the latest season of the 361 degrees podcast is now being uploaded as we speak we've got i think to episode six that's uh ben smith ewan mcleod and myself talking about all things mobile the topics vary enormously from week to week but it's uh, a kind of group discussion format where we kind of mull over offer our own views and solicit feedback from listeners as well so you can find that at 361podcast.com please let me know what you think so i think that brings an end to the windows phone podcast having had uh two plugs that are completely unrelated to windows phone well actually, not completely
0: unrelated that's yeah. that's
1: not true i do mention windows phone in 361 yeah, and degrees. I
0: not pr people on my windows phone
1: well there we go there we, uh, go. we will be back uh, next week thank you for listening to this podcast as usual we welcome your feedback and your views uh, but it's goodbye for now, and I'll leave you to sign off in his uh, signature fashion.
0: Um, okay, I'll need a bit of paper, uh, a pen, uh, a 9.4 glossy, as I, I say. need to sign that. There'd be cool. Who shall I make it out to? <sighs> it doesn't work in an audio.
1: It would have worked nice if we'd done video. Anyway, we'll catch you next week. To wrap for now.